Hi there. In today's podcast, I'm going to be sharing some questions that I've been getting from listeners, and there are no stupid questions, because frankly, it's stupid how little correct information is out there for you. Now, these listeners, also called stands, that's stalker fans, at least that's what my 11-year-old told me, they reach out to me, and I know that many of you out there may be pondering exactly the same questions, so let's answer it for everyone. Let's do this. What is up, my How to Buy a Homies? It's David Sedoni, your host for the How to Buy a Home podcast, and this is a very special Stan listener question episode. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying that. I said it before, there are no dumb questions when it comes to buying your first home. It is mad confusing, and I'm here to edumacate you, to empower you, to drop truth bombs and help you learn the insider secrets. Now, some of these questions come from brand new listeners that listen to like, I don't know, half an episode. Then they just decided to reach out to me and ask me first. Impatient? Sure. But I also see them as proactive. Now, here's a little hint for all of my hyper rapid or ADHD people out there. Hit subscribe. You're going to get a new episode every week and there's lots of them. So my guess is the answer is going to be in there somewhere. Go back and look at the back catalog, check it out. And then, you know, when you're out on your way to work in the car or the train or whatever, you know, did I mention that you need to be going to work if you're going to buy a home? You sort of need a job. Or if you're working out or walking the dog or your iguana or whatever you're doing when your earbuds are in, you can scroll through all the topics. There's uh 70 something episodes out there and there's titles for each one that maybe something looks familiar, kind of like maybe these questions sound familiar. So pick the areas in which you could use some more of that edumacation, right? This is the best way that the podcast works for you, and I'm happy to help. I've spilled my guts here on this podcast for your benefit. Back in 2019, my goals changed. I decided I no longer want to work in real estate just to make money. I hated the way it was going. I now do this to help people find their path to owning. It's to help you guys shave years off the time that you rent while the ultimate goal is you're eventually going to buy anyway. And I got to tell you, this has been redonkulous amounts of fun for me. And I don't use that word lightly. Yeah, I do. Talking to you guys directly is, is fantastic. So many of you people out there are grounded, intelligent folks. Just trying to find anyone to help explain in some layman's terms and get you the best strategy to figure out how are you going to do this for you and your family? How are you going to set yourself up for your future? Well, I'm not just going to give you, you know, some empty general rules. I'm going to give you some guidelines and some things that might work for you. And then I'm going to give you all the gory details of it. I'm sure many of you have fallen asleep to some of my episodes where I go through real estate data, facts, and numbers. And because some of this can get confusing, I have communication on the daily. Happens to me from DMs, text calls, emails, Zoom consultations. And these meaningful exchanges with you listeners out there, they really inspire me. So I figured that I just lay out some of the real questions that I'm getting from real listeners and, you know, I'm hoping and I'm kind of guessing that many of you are going to think, hey, that's exactly what I was wondering about. So rad, let's do it. Today's topics are a panicked listener that needed help. Figure that'd be a fun place to start. I'm talking sheer hysteria. It was awesome. We're also going to talk about 
timing the market or waiting out this crazy market. We'll talk about another topic on that a little deeper, waiting till your lease is up. We're going to talk about using different realtors. Some people ask me questions about part-time realtors. And then a big question I've been getting is about pulling your credit. When you get your credit pulled, that counts as a credit inquiry. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about hard pulls. Don't giggle, you little 12-year-old. It's a credit term. Hard pulls are when you get points taken off your credit and people want to know, when should I do it? Okay. And, you know, before I get into the actual topics, let me give you a first, a pre-topic topic, because this is the question that everybody asked me all day long, forever and ever since I started in real estate. And I know it's a topic that everybody wants to know. So it's such a talked about topic. It doesn't even need to be on the topic list. Can I say topic one more time? The question, how's the market right now? Well, the answer is simple. This is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This is bananas. You don't believe me? Go back one episode to the urgent market update that I posted that I just had to sit down and record like January 13th or 14th, something like that. Things got crazy from New Year's, like in 12 days, things got nuts. And here's what's even more bananas. The stuff I'm going to tell you right now is what's happened the following week after I recorded that episode. So still, first few weeks of January, I heard from over a dozen different unicorns from all over the country because I'm always checking in to see how the listeners are doing from Hawaii to Florida to Washington to Maine and New York. Their buyers are standing in line to see homes and many of these prepared buyers, because they listen to the podcast and they got a great unicorn team working with them. They've been outbid on three, four, five, sometimes as many as eight to 10 different offers have been outbid on eight to 10 different homes. And the homes are selling in the first weekend on the market. So you ask me the question, how's the market? It's bananas. And that's what's happened. Now, as for me, I'm doing the podcast, but I'm also still out there every weekend. Yeah. It's like what? Nine o'clock at night. And I'm still at the office on a weekday and I still go out on weekends. Woohoo! Living my best life. So what I'm finding out there is that I've got my buyers fully prepared. I mean, I do the podcast. I better know what I'm doing, right? I'm trying to get our offers to the top of the pile, but for my guys, my people, sorry, We're talking seven offers in the past week in January. So where's the market going? Well, all of these offers came in in the first day or two on the homes written by me with prepared buyers and a unicorn lender, and none of them were accepted. Zero. Two of them gave us a counteroffer, and they may as well have just sent us a piece of paper with a giant middle finger on it. I mean, they were asking for the moon, (laughs) All the things in favor of the seller, basically asking the buyer to give up all their rights, to pay for everything, to give a super high price, way over whatever the appraisal might be. And if it does go way over that appraisal and the appraisal comes in low, the buyer has to pay the gap. And then, by the way, you only have two days to do an inspection and whatever you find, too bad, we're not fixing squat, no matter what you find. And then three of them gave me a call or an email with no explanation, just that our offer, anywhere from ten to twenty to thirty thousand dollars over price on those three offers, they're not be even being countered. And then one of my buyers offered seven hundred and fifty-one thousand dollars on a home. Now I know if you're someplace else in the country, relax, breathe. That's what first-time buyers cost out here. So someone offered seven hundred and fifty-one thousand dollars. That's in some of my old podcasts why I did that. And the home was listed at seven hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. We were told that there were thirty offers on that home. 
in the first weekend. And our offer, $26,000 over the list price, didn't even make the top 10 of the 30 offers. Now, the townhomes in this tract are all exactly the same, and they usually sell for around $700,000 at the end of last year. The highest sale ever was a sale in November at $730,000. So this one was offered at $725,000. We offered $751,000 for a model match to another townhome in the complex. $26,000 over, and we didn't make the top 10 for a home and our offer was in in the first couple days that home was on the market. Yep. And if you're doing the math, let's see, that's, that's six. Oh, I've got one more story. Let me read you the email I got. Thank you for the offer on this property. I had 600 people come through the home over the weekend. It had 200 calls and text. We received 27 offers with the lowest offer at the asking price. Hey, homies, it's David again. Let me repeat that and think about that. We received 27 offers with the lowest offer at our asking price. Now, our offer was $11,500 over the list price. And then the email continues. And many, many great offers of the 27 we had were substantially over the asking price with very aggressive terms. The sellers have chosen to only counter the top three. And again, we didn't make the cut. Gang, this is the market. I can't say it enough. Let the facts and the stats be your guide in 2022. Hear this. Don't let anyone give you advice or tell you what to do in buying a home in 2022 unless they've bought a home in the last six months because no one truly understands what it takes to buy a home today. I don't care how many homes they bought in the past or how much money they have or how financially smart they are. They've never bought in this kind of market because this kind of market has only happened when it's happening, and that is right now. Sort of happened like this in 2013, but not nearly as bad. So with all this craziness going on, I got one more thing before I get to the rest of the topics, because I'm getting people ask me about this, and so I'm going to cover this in one swoop, and it's the internet stuff. People are asking me about these things called iBuyers, or you know, just other internet tools out there to help you buy a home without a realtor representing you because they think that the way things are going right now, that homes can sell just like everything else. It's online from the seller to the buyer and you only need one mediator. Why do you need two? So I understand this looks attractive and I understand this out there, but let me be very clear. This is a truth bomb coming for you. For now in the current system, this is not your best play. And I'm not telling you this to get you as a client or sell more deals because most of you don't live in Southern California and I don't care. You guys know why I started the podcast. The deal is straight up. You still have a better option right now to get the best deal in an industry that is not being very helpful to explain this to you. So fine. That's my role. Let me do it. I can't emphasize this enough that You know, you can listen to me or you cannot listen to me, but understand that where I'm coming from is all I want is I want you to take advantage of every hack and money saving tip that you can. Because the way things are going right now, I think, no, wait, I know that on the whole, on the whole, the industry sucks when it comes to first time home buyers. They're taking advantage of you. So I've been helping my buyers and now you take advantage of the best options of what's being offered to you today. And that ain't the do it yourself route or using the internet route or using the seller's agent route. 
despite what you hear or what you think you might know from the research that you've done. Your best play is a free, paid for by the seller, professional advocate to help you negotiate the difficult aspects that you can't do alone by yourself on the internet. Because that free professional advocate, that's still being offered today. iBuyers on the internet, they, they really could be the way of the future. And it could be the way that the current system collapse collapses. It could be the way the system collapses. And frankly, the real estate industry kind of deserves it since they suck up so hard to people selling their homes and they ignore all you buyers, especially the first timers. But for today, your biggest hack is besting and beating the system with your free hired gun. And that's never been more true than right now in the wild, wild west of 2022 real estate. You need to take advantage of the game. And that game today is different. It's like there's basketball and this year they put trampolines and Loch Ness monsters and snowballs and a whole bunch of crap you've never seen before. So you need a pro. Someday, I'm telling you guys, and I'm telling you right now, someday this is going to change. And I'm going to be doing a different sort of podcast that like is a, a hologram that projects over your treadmill. Oh my God, how creepy would that be? Me standing over you talking. And let me give you some insiders. Why is this happening right now? There's currently a lawsuit. It doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere, but the lawsuit is very telling. It's from one of the big internet real estate players is trying to sue the National Association of Realtors and and the MLS, which is the multiple listing service. They're trying to say that buyer's agents should basically be illegal and sellers should be able to sell their homes themselves online on the MLS and not pay a buyer's agent. Now, that sounds logical, right? I mean, you know, there's parts of that like, well, okay, I don't understand. Why is that? Let's dig deep and find out why would an internet company be suing for this right? The answer is so that they can get all the homes for sale on their site so they can get all the listings and then they can use their strength, the thing that they put all their money into the internet to be the main vehicle to help people buy and sell homes. And the catch Well, guess what? Then they would get the sellers of the homes to pay them directly to sell their home. And now what happens to the buyer's agent? Well, that's gone. And you just have to work with the internet realtor people. And well, who pays for the internet realtor people? You do. The buyer. The buyer pays for the right to buy this home instead of the current system where the seller pays the buyer's realtor. Let that sink in for a minute. So right now, the internet is the established medium we use to communicate. And, you know, it's changed the way that we interact. It's not changing. It changed, gangs. The internet's here. Everything's different now. And we have a new medium emerging right behind it. And you can say what you want about it, but the blockchain is coming. And it's starting to change the way that commerce will be done in the future. In many, many ways, we're slowly turning the global structure of economic commerce towards a consumer directly to consumer platform. It's out there. Blockchains, cryptocurrency, social sourcing, and you know they're all changing finance and changing global commerce, attempting to not only eliminate banks, but you know, to eliminate anything that has any sort of government regulation as well. Now, hang with me, how to buy a homies. This is real stuff happening. And I'm telling you this so that you understand the advantages that you need to take care of, that you need to take advantage of today before the whole thing changes. Now, I'm not, you know, just some dorky old man in an office spewing cringy dad jokes all night. I take this crap very seriously. 
And I want to help you take advantage of the world today so you're financially set up when this new world hits. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not even going to happen in the next three to five years, but it's coming. So you're starting to see the beginning of it and people are trying to lure you in especially those of you who might be a little bit more advanced. Maybe you're working crypto. Maybe you understand this stuff. And now you're going, well, wait a minute. Why do I have to do it this way? Why don't I do it the new way? Yeah, in the future, the exchange of goods and services will look to replace or eliminate the middleman. All the mediators, the processors, and the contract writers. Technology, it's going to indeed overcome and eliminate many of these people because the consumers will gain the technology to interact amongst themselves. Look what happened to the taxi and limo industry. They thought Uber wasn't going to work. They laughed at it. So in the future, contracts on the whole are going to become a process that is going to be replaced by technology in many different sectors. Consumers will have more avenues to exchange goods and services directly with each other. So that's bad for big banks and bank fees. Just like the internet and apps were bad for taxis and Google was bad for the yellow pages. And Netflix was bad for Blockbuster (laughs) and tons of other businesses that we saw just disappear that were staples in our life that we thought was going to be there forever. You know, let your fingers do the walking in the yellow pages and make it a Blockbuster night. Nobody thought that stuff was going away. It felt like movies. You know, movie theaters were here 50 years ago and they're still here now. And you thought that stuff was just going to be here. But bam, gone. Now, this is going to be good for some consumer transactions, and frankly, I believe that it's still going to be kind of scary for these big transactions that leave you consumers unprotected in that open new world of the metaverse. This transition is coming, but for now, you first-time buyers, your best play is to understand the internet's out there and they're trying to do this, but you have a better play. And, you know, the information that you see out there, remember This is a weird concept to figure out, but the information that you get comes from the internet and the people that are buying and selling goods at the highest level on the internet, that's the most information that you're seeing because they're doing the most advertising on the internet. Does that make sense? So I know right now you're just listening to some freaky older dude. Oh, I called myself old. Drink. Sitting alone, talking to myself into a microphone. But I'm doing it so that you can take advantage of what's happening right now and not blow 10 years of your life on rent like I did. Know the rules. Know it's a game. And then work the game. You buyers have the power for now. You've got the power. And when you're educated and empowered, when you know the rules and when you realize that for free right now, you can hire a professional that gets paid for by the seller, then the advantage, you for now. Like I said, it might take a generation for this change, but for now, these are the insider hacks that you need to know to help you set yourself up for life. So to those of you who still want to email me about some fancy new internet tool that you are sure gets you a better deal, let me respectfully disagree with you. And that's just based on my 16 years of the deep dive into this sector. Every internet-based platform out there for buyers, every iBuyer site, auction.com, Open Door, Redfin, Zillow, There's even a new one called Shawami or Shawami. That's where you auction off your right for some realtor to open a door for you to see a home for sale. Yeah, you have to auction it off. I've already figured out a way for them to make a little more money for, you know, a $39, $49, $59 showing. Yeah, that's a real thing. And guess who is going to sell you that house when you win the auction? Their realtor. All the internet home buying platforms out there 
are benefiting one person in the deal, the seller, period. So for now, the game is giving you a better option. That's the free buyer representative. So save your questions on the internet options if you have them, because I'm just going to tell you, you got a better one for now. Go listen to episode, what is this one? 72. All right, back to the topics, my panic listener. Now, this panic listener ended up being a good topic because I got this, uh, I can't remember if it was a text or an email or something. Uh, oh, no, he went to my website, uh, davidsedoni.com or howtobuyahome.com, filled out the contact form, and at the bottom, there's a place you can leave a question. If you have some, feel free, davidsedoni.com or howtobuyahome.com. Now, the question, he wrote it really funny. So there's like, he goes 1B, 2C, 3D. So uh, here's how it goes. One, found your podcast on a hike a couple months ago and crammed all available episodes. B, thank you for spitting the knowledge. Two, I don't have a unicorn team. C, I just put in an offer that I am comfortable with, which was accepted. Okay, it's me again. Okay, here it comes. This is the part where the problem is they want to get bailed out because they don't have any unicorns. Number three, not sure my current agent, by the way, the second one in this process, is working in my best interest or just funding their holidays. Yeah, this came in in November. D, how do I balance these concerns versus really wanting to remove myself from my current rental situation? Thank you for filling my ear holes as I walk in the wilderness and any advice to be offered would be appreciated. Okay, so I read that and my spidey senses were tingling on high alert. Gosh, this happens to me all the time. You know, it's like Groundhog Day. I wake up and every day I find someone who's just figuring out how to do this and some of them get into it and they run into a problem because they leapt before. What is it? Look before you leap, right? They didn't look. They just leapt or leaped or they more leaped. I don't know. So I immediately reached out and texted this dude. But before I could get an answer to my text, there was another one that, that came in and the listener said this. Put in an offer that was accepted and would like to move forward with the purchase. My main issue is dealing with whom I should finance with. Have a couple of pre-approvals, one from a national bank who has been transparent with rates and another from a national lender who has not given me a specific rate. I was hoping for guidance from my agent, but that hasn't happened. Well, gang, I've seen this so many times in my career. For a while, at the beginning of my career, I became captain bailout for my friend's or friends of clients. And now after enough time, I'm catching people a little early and we can avoid issues like this. So when this issue happens, you know, what's the lesson here? What's the moral to the story? Prepare, period, prepare. Put the planning horse so far in front of the cart that the cart is back in the next county. Plan, prepare. There's no way I could say it more. Maybe slow your roll. If you've been doing this on your own or with some internet uh, realtor help or some part-time realtor guidance, think about it. Is this the move that you want to jump into and make a mistake so gigantic and make that move knowing that you're not getting the best advice you could? I really wish I had some cool, you know, sign with words on it that I could put on my office wall, you know, like live, laugh, love, or, you know, something in that shabby chic wood very HGTV, but I don't because if I did, it would be pretty harsh because it would be in this beautiful shabby chic wood and it would say, make a plan first before you go to an open house, you dumbass. That's the words on my wall. Do you like it? Don't think I'm going to get a lot of clients that way. The answer to this one is simple. If you're too close to the end of the process and you just found this 
podcast. Well, then it's time to scroll through the titles, listen, and regroup. How do you take advantage of the current market and not get burned? How do you trust your resources? You listen to the podcast, you learn, and then you don't get into this unless you're with somebody you trust. Unless you've got a unicorn team that cares about you and your well-being. Their business grows and you get rock star service. Then you're never going to have to wonder you know, I'm just about to buy a house with this guy, but I really think he's just trying to fund his Christmas fund. Dude. All right, the next question, since we talked about crazy or or the market is, this topic is timing the market or waiting out the crazy market. The question I hear all the time, and I got a DM a couple days ago, so I'm just going to read it to you. It said, quote, I'm trying to buy my first house this year. I'm in Dallas and the competition is intense. Guess what, sweetie? It's intense everywhere. Just lost out on a home. I put in an offer over the weekend and there were 40 plus offers in the first weekend it was on the market. Is it smart for me to maybe consider renting another year or so until things settle down rather than moving into a house that I have to settle on and not one I actually like? Unquote. <sighs> this sucks. The market right now, it is this way. And I'm hearing this all the time. So 40 plus offers, that's happening. All the more reason you need to have a badass realtor and a mortgage pro on your side, Mr. or Mrs. Panicked Listener from the first question. And now topic number two question person. Here's how I'm going to answer this one. Uh, Remember the listener said, is it smart to consider renting another year or so until things settle down rather than move into a home that I have to settle on and not one that I actually like? The answer is, if you have the means to buy anytime soon, and you have to go through all the other episodes and listen or find the episodes about how much you need to buy a home or preparing, if you're currently paying rent and you still would be during the time while you chill out and wait for things to, quote, settle down, the answer is no. The math says it's not smart at all. Ta-da! That's the answer. Look, I'm not going to go into all the math. If you want the math... Listen to or go to David Sedoni or howtobuyahome.com where you can read the transcripts, episodes 36, 40, 57, 62, 68. I'll say it again. Hit rewind. 36, 40, 57, 62, 68, and 70. It's all there. And you can get it. You can comprehend it. You can digest it. And then you'll be in a position where you're going to believe in the numbers and the data. And the best time for anyone who has the means to buy a home anytime soon, who wants to buy a home at some point in their lifetime, was yesterday. And that's just because where the market is going and where it's been and historically what's going to happen. So if you're waiting for things to, quote, settle down, it's going to cost you more in rent and lost equity than it will help you. The end. Next topic, waiting till your lease is up. This is a question that I get a lot. It's something I hear all the time from people. And, you know, I put it right after the waiting for the market to settle down topic because the math and the data that backs up my answers, it's in the exact same episodes. There's an old saying in real estate that there are three things that are most important when you're buying a home, right? Location, location, location. (laughs) Oh, funny. Realtors are funny. No, I say it's timing, typing, and then location. What? I say it's timing, timing, then location. I don't know why I said typing. That has nothing to do with it. So everyone says location, 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 and it's actually timing, timing, and then location. Because here's the way it works. When it comes to lease, to leases and the timing of your move with the end of your lease, so often I see people choosing that date, an arbitrary date that was decided by you whenever it was, 
that has very little and oftentimes zero mathematical data to back up the decision on that date, except for the what is truly in the big grand scheme of things, small little expense that it is to break the lease. Now, don't judge me on that. You got to hear me out. The reason why that date is picked is just because it's arbitrary and it's there and no one wants to spend money. But a lot of times it's based on fear or lack of knowledge or confusion or ignorance, which I've explained before is not a bad word. We're all ignorant of lots of things. Or then sometimes it's just simply the easiest and most comfortable date to choose, especially if it's further away. So you don't have to stress and panic about figuring this stuff out right now. Now, I told you to give me give me a little slack here because I know saving any money is important. And the messed up thing is you're buying a home and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's a hundreds of thousands of dollars decision. So many people decide to time this gigantic six figure decision based on a couple thousand dollars to break a lease. You know, in a normal market, it's usually well worth it for you to explore the options of breaking your lease because even, you know, If you're looking to buy something today, maybe the interest rates are at the right place. Maybe a good house came up in your market. So maybe in a normal market, you found a home that has been on the market a little while and you can kind of get a deal, right? Well, that deal is going to save you $10,000, $25,000, $50,000 on some killer home bargain. But no, you're going to pass on that because you want to wait four more months so you can save $2,500 from breaking your lease. You see, you feel me? And that's the normal market. Where we are right now, the beginning of 2022, this is anything but a normal market right now. Homes are getting more expensive by the minute, while mortgage interest rates are also going up this year. So if you want to hear more about that and those numbers, episodes 36, 57, and the urgent alert episode number 70. You know, I'm telling you, if you looked at a home on Zillow last week, and I guarantee you there are already 25 offers bidding on it right now, and it's already tens of thousands over the list price, and that's going to keep happening all the way in 2022 no matter when your lease ends sometime this year. So see what I'm saying? Start your prep today. Work a plan immediately. Maybe you can be ready before your lease is up. And that money that you're going to quote unquote lose, you're going to save a lot more or gain a lot more with the equity you make in your house and the potential of a higher mortgage interest rate later on in the year. Next topic is people want to save some money by using a part-time realtor, a friend, or a relative. Now, if you don't know my answer to this question, you've got to be a new listener. And that's cool. I'll go through it with you. Here's the deal, man. I applaud anyone trying to work a side hustle. I totally am down with that. It's great. I freaking hate that this stupid industry has just accepted that it's totally fine for people to become a licensed realtor by basically fogging a mirror and signing their name and letting people do this part time. Seriously. It is so much home, home, Freudian slip there. It is so much more than showing you homes and opening doors. I mean, would you leave your half a million dollar 401k help or guidance or your retirement guidance to some person that just kind of manages finances part-time on the side, you know, or in the summers because they're a teacher? I mean, what the hell? I just put my hands up to my face and rub my cheeks. (laughs) I've expressed this opinion on God love the people doing this. 
and I've expressed it in a much nicer fashion in other episodes, but I'm feeling salty tonight. So lots of love and positive energy to the part-timers, to the cops and the fire people and the teachers and the housewives and the husbands and that are realtors two to three days a week when they're off from their other job. But if you think that a part-timer is best for you because they're a friend or a relative and you guys get along, remember this, you're helping them with their income for their side hustle. And how are you helping them? By spending your income at the closing table and possibly in the next 30 years, every single month with your mortgage payment. You're helping their income with your money. And until they change the standard, because you got to realize any bozo can get a real estate license. For some reason, people think a realtor, you know, they think, oh, you're a realtor. Well, they, they must have had the training or the scrutiny of a doctor or a CPA or even, you know, I don't know, an insurance salesman. Nope. No way. Nuh-uh. You would not believe how little it takes to say I sell houses. The problem is 50% of the people get their license, try it and go, this sucks. This is hard. And they bail. But some of them keep their license every year. And then they wait for someone like you. Oh, you're a realtor, right? Cool. So for now, until that changes, I say it's not best for you to use a part-timer, just like I believe that it's not best for you to use an internet company right now. And I can't emphasize this part enough. Have we talked about how nuts 2022 is? In this market, more than ever, you need a pro just to get a whiff. And sometimes, even that won't be enough. Okay, some of that stuff you might have heard, but this last topic is uh, something I get from a lot of people. See if this helps you out. We're going to talk about pulling credit. No one likes to pull credit. When you do, it's called a hard pull. And people are asking, when should I do it? From a listener, quote, Thanks to your advice, we've been able to see what we can afford with more clarity, which has gotten us steps closer to being homeowners. While we both have good FICO scores, I know from your podcast that lenders measure a median of the scores. I was wondering if you think we should both do the hard query or pre-loan approval to understand where we are exactly as individual credit scores. That way we can discover if one of us needs our credit boosted, possibly through the authorized user method that you suggest. Or do we just have one pre-loan approval and see where each of us stands in terms of credit? Unquote. Okay, so there's a lot of detail in that question. But the big thing people ask me when they ask questions like this is they're trying to say, hey, we want to pull the credit, but we know that it is a small ding on your credit report and it's an inquiry and you drop some points. So what do we do? Here's the answer. You want to buy a home someday? Pull your credit today. Period. End of story. The end. Do not question this fact. Let it sink in. If you want to buy a home in two weeks, two months, six months, or two years, get a full loan approval with a credit pull today. Yes, that's called a hard pull and you should do it. Listen, my homies, I know that some of you out there still don't believe that and you're not going to do it, but here's the deal. At some point when you buy a house, the lender has to do a hard pull credit inquiry on your credit. And yes, it will be a two to four point hit on your credit. So it is gonna happen anyway. So it is far, far better to do it now than to do it 30 days before you buy a home. Because you never know. If you're on the edge of the credit tiers and the credit tiers determine how much you pay for your loan and your points and your interest and your PMI, okay? So this is a huge thing. And the tiers are every 20 points. 
640, 660, 680, 700, 720, 740, and 760. Now, 760, that's the top tier. You're not going to get any better rates or fees or anything if you're above 60. So right now, and that's the guidelines today in 2022. So that two to four point that you get for a hard pull, if you're not exactly sure which score they're going to pull or which one it's going to be, that could drop you down in your credit score and drop you a tier, which is going to cost you more money. And then you're only going to have about 25 days to fix it because you're trying to close in 30 days and they pull the docs a few days before you close. (sighs) So if you pull today, you have months and months and months to work the system with the tips, the tricks, and the hacks that I've given you, and more importantly, with your Unicorn Mortgage Pro. Time is everything with credit. Let me say it again. Time is everything with credit. The more you have, the more you can improve it. And you're going to have to take a hard pull at some time to buy a home. It's required. So the more time you have to raise your score, the less chance that you're going to drop a tier right before you ask for the biggest loan of your life. Is that clear? Because people still fight me on this one every single day. And if you're going to tell me, yeah, but David, I hear that when I apply for a loan, the approval is only good for 90 days and I want to buy a house in four months. So I don't want to do the credit pull until the last second, because if I do it now, then it's going to drop. Okay, cool. But in general, what I said I still believe in. Now, there are exceptions, and a lot of those people who call me, I don't know why, but they talk to me like this. I've just made that up in my head. That's how I read their emails. Some of them have 800 credit scores. Cool. If you've got an 800 credit score and you want to gamble, and you know that your credit score of 800 that you got somewhere is exactly the score the banks are going to use for your mortgage when you try to get a mortgage in four months, and you don't want to get it now because it only lasts 90 days... Well, you got to know it's exactly the one they're going to pull because I've mentioned it in other episodes, you have 28 different credit scores and there's a bunch of them. If you are comfortable with it, you think all your 28 are going to be 100 then and only then. If you want to gamble, cool, you can wait. But the best way for a lender to help you get the home for the cheapest fees and price and everything you're trying to do is to find out exactly where you are today. You feel me? And hey, remember 760 is the top tier, so four points is not going to hurt you, you 800 super credit McGee. Now, repeating what the listener said, they said, quote, I know from podcasts that lenders measure a meeting of the scores. I was wondering if you think we should both do the hard query, the pre-loan approval to understand exactly where we are. That way we can discover if one of us needs our credit boosted, possibly through the authorized user, or can we do a pre-loan approval and see where each of us stands? Well, yeah, it's true. You are, you do have 28 credit scores and with Each of the three credit bureaus, they're each going to give the bank a score. So you're going to get three scores from them, but each of them has 28 different ones when they choose from. And then they take what's called the mid score or the middle score. So if they go through and they choose from your 28 different scores and each of them gives a score to you and your lender. All right. They're going to go, okay, well, here you go. You got 805, 759 and 758. So what should your score be? Well, you think you should probably get like an average, right? There's three scores. So that would be 774. Cool. The top tier is 760. So your average is 774. Cool. See, what I did to get that average was I added up three scores and I divided by three. I didn't even have to call my mortgage pro to decipher that. But no, they don't use the average. They use the middle score, what they call the mid score. And that mid score 
805-759-758 is $759, which drops you down to the second tier, not the top tier. Will it mean that you can't buy the home? Well, probably not. But it does mean that in the fees and the interest and the payments, you're going to pay more. So if you've got two people out there applying for a loan, you should probably both people go ahead and do a hard pull six months, a year, or two years before you want to buy. Then you have the time to increase your credit scores, to boost your credit scores, because you know everything. You're not flying blind. Since when you're going to be ready to make an offer, both credits are going to get a hard pull anyway. And if you don't know exactly where you are months ahead of time, you could do that hard pull right before you're ready to buy and drop a tear with no time to correct it and you're never going to see it coming. Now, if you're listening to this thinking, dude, there he goes again, talking about people with 800 credit scores buying $700,000 homes. That's not me, man. Okay, well, let me direct you to the last episode where a listener who was unemployed a year ago with zero credit called his bank for a home loan and they said no. Then he called Zillow for a home loan and they said no. Then he found the podcast, got a unicorn realtor, sent him to Unicorn Mortgage Pro, worked with him, and in less than a year, he closed on a $200,000 home in Michigan. Randy rocked it with a unicorn pro. Last year, 25% of the mortgages were approved for people that had credit scores in the 600s. 600s, I say. Let me say it again. If you're thinking about this, the earlier that you can find out exactly where you stand, you might be able to pull this off sooner than you think. You don't need an 800 credit score and you don't need to buy a $700,000 house. 25% of the mortgages last year had credit scores in the 600s. Okay, gang, the janitor's sweeping the halls and I've been here for 16 hours today. Helped dozen or so listeners find a unicorn. I had two Zoom calls with one buyer looking to put $200,000 down on a million dollar home and one buyer who had less than $5,000 in the bank and is getting some money from mom and dad so he can buy a two fifty dollars or $300,000 home. Then I interviewed Randy, the man with no job, no credit score a year ago, who called me from his three-bedroom, one-bath home on a quarter acre that he just closed on a month ago. I am beat. So if you could, help me out. Please, it'd be super bitching if you could just write a review for the podcast. <laughs> Rate the podcast. I'm serious about this gang. It helps me so much. Gets the word out so other people like you are going to find this when they search for help. And especially on Spotify. They recently opened things up for reviews. Get on Spotify, listen to an episode, and then write a review. You got to listen to it before you do it. And let's push How to Buy a Home to the top of the spot of our reviews so we can help many, many more people. Share this podcast with your friends if you want unicorn help yourself. You have a question for me, go to davidsedoni.com or howtobuyahome.com. Fill out the question form for me. You can always DM me on the Insta at davidsedoni.com. Because, gang, I'm here for you. Because if Randy in Michigan, Captain Jobless with zero credit a year ago, can close on a three-bedroom home with a basement and on a half an acre, if Captain Randy can do it, you can do this.